What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, June 13th, 2022, and this week's episode, The Samurai Reigns Supreme. We'll talk about UFC 275 and that insane triple header. Then we'll talk about the latest in MMA news. There's some big fights announced and some out of left field. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And we'll finish it off by previewing the main event coming up this Saturday. The featherweight battle between Josh Emmett and Calvin Cater. But for now, my name is Gabriel Gonzalez and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Well, 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 what a weekend, huh? Man, that was a great... That, you know, I know people, I get it. They were, it kind of felt like, you know, the whole was just greater than the sum of the parts. I don't know <laughs> another way to put it. Like, I think that fans are like, well, we've kind of seen a lot of it. Valentina, you felt like Valentina was just going to do what she did. And then Glover and Jiri together just, you know, I think when people wrote it in, it's like, look, this isn't one of the... Oh, biggest fights of 2022 and they just all delivered so well and it just made for such a fun broadcast what about you yeah even if you know specifically like Shevchenko Tyler Santos like even if you thought Shevchenko was gonna be able to do more which was up in the air because of how skilled Santos is like the drama delivered in every fight, like the three main, the three main fights at the end, it was pure drama. And that's what you're looking for. Pure entertainment. When you, when you're an MMA fan, that's the ideal outcome of any fight, right? Especially when you're paying pay-per-view dollars. So yeah, it was pure drama in a good way. For sure. For sure. I mean, so let's start with the main event. Um, I tweeted this out. I stopped trying <laughs> to score sometime in round three. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I don't, First round, and I'm gonna just, I'm, I'm not even gonna try to like recap it, like blow by blow, blow, ah, blow yeah. by blow, like we some we usually do, but just like Glover gets him down, and then Jiri reverses and just drops a hammer on Glover to end the first round, and it was just a lot of this. Both of them had positions. Jiri would just light up Glover. Glover would get him down and just really land bombs on him and just. And those every punch looked like it hurt just very bluntly every punch looked like it hurt um there were a few times obviously Glover gets Jiri down and looks like he might just every change every momentum shift always felt like the beginning of the end uh he's he's gonna hurt him he's gonna piece him up and he's just gonna get over the hill and that's gonna be it right Jiri is gonna get him and then Glover looked like he was gonna get him and they just kept getting up and going on to do more damage. We get to the fifth round. Glover has had more of the shifts, although the, for sure it was not a it was not one way traffic by any means. He just by most people's cards, he just had a little more of them. Got ahead on the cards, and then you know what? Just under thirty seconds, right? Jiri yeah. gets him. And it's just like the car ran out of gas at the finish line for Glover. He's just exhausted. Jiri gets the arms under the neck. And, you know, lo and behold, we have a new light heavyweight champion. Uh, what are your thoughts on this insane one? Well, yeah, starting with, with the end there, that was stunning. I mean, I had, I think everyone did, even the commentators. They'd already started with the last 30 seconds to 
to give a you know a kudos to Jajiri for being able to display all his skill sets and you know it seemed like Glover just had to not it seemed like he just had to ride it out to stay alert look alive 30 seconds to go and yeah that that arm just sliding right in there it you couldn't you're watching the choke it looks deep but as I'm sitting there I'm thinking well there's no way that's gonna happen like come on he's not gonna tap there's 30 seconds left on Glover yes on Glover you can't even see the tap in the original angle right you see it in the replay and all of a sudden, you know, Jerry stands up and it's just bonkers. Now, uh, you know, the crowd was amazing, too. And so uh, going back to just the fight in general, they were they were with every moment of drama, every momentum shift, as you as you as you put it, which is a perfect way of describing that fight. And in those momentum shifts, yeah, each opponent had a, a really strong opportunity to finish the fight. The one that I think about most for Glover was, I don't know, the fourth or the fifth round. He lands a right hook. I mean, Jerry's wobbling. And it's one of those things that you see in, in more and less experienced fighters where they have their opponent hurt. And instead of finishing with punches, they go for a you know clinch against the cage. And Glover did that. Or he went for the guillotine, right? And you're screaming at the, at the TV, why, why, why? But, man, round five, you're exhausted. You know, the the fight itself was just so exciting, so thrilling. You know, the, the ground and pound they both displayed was like fight ending ground and pound, right? Like either either direction, you, you saw that one more punch from Jerry, one more elbow from Glover. This fight was going to be over, but they just kept finding windows to escape from and then flip, flip the momentum. That cut on Jiri's eyebrow, um, I thought that was going to play a big role in the fight, but it didn't. And props to the cut men, right? I don't know what's in that Q-tip, <laughs> but they got to sell that technology to Tampax, man. Like that stuff is like that thing did not bleed after they shoved the Q-tip in there. I don't like I don't know what it, what they put in there. I really don't. That that blew me away. I really, really thought that was going to be the beginning of the end for Jerry. It was just going to be Niagara Falls down his eyes. Nope, didn't happen. So, and and what was most interesting to me, and then I'll toss it back to you. Even though they both had such moments of advantage, like if you think about it, they were fighting at very, very different speeds. Like Jerry was fast and tricky, and Glover was powerful. Um, and 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 with that combination, you might not expect the fight that we got, but it was a really thrilling, thrilling fight. And uh, I feel so heartbroken for Glover Teixeira. Not only because he lost in his first defense, but specifically the manner in which he lost. It's like Korean Zombie at the end of that fight with Jerry Rodriguez, except this is for the belt and he's 42 years old. It, it makes a difference. So he says he's coming back. I want to see him too. But anyway, back to you. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the things about Jerry, and we, we acknowledged it, and I think everyone tried, but it's just hard when... I think the thing that kept this fight from getting maybe the love it deserved is that so much of Jiri's excitement, let's be honest, it didn't come in a North American organization. I mean, no. you know, the Bellator clips being out there, the PFL clips, your, you know, a one championship does a great job. I don't know that people know that you can and should look for rise and stuff sometimes, right? And, you know, I thought the countdown was great. Um, I finally did watch it, yes. Um, <laughs> good for Joanna. 
just to, since yeah. it became okay. a thing. We'll, 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 we'll get, I'll give you more of my opinion on that later. <laughs> Off the air. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I think I know whatever whatever woman's opinion is. But anyway, back to the point. Um, uh, look, it just they did a good job, I think, telling the story that this dude is just a wild man when that cage door closes. And everything from the hair, he obviously came out with the samurai, like, kimono gi looking outfit in his post fight uh scrum um I, I just in the cage i think you got such a great display he reminded me of like what tony ferguson was on a roll mm -hmm. and you see how tony moves on the feet to get that from a big guy like jiri was very entertaining and obviously he had so much more time to work and to display these skills his cardio held up great for all he went through and all he brought. Um, it, put it all together, we have a now very interesting, very big breath of fresh air in the UFC as a title holder. So let's now gear it toward what's next. Yes, I, I agree with you. Glover, I will say this. Glover may kind of take that short path like, hey, look, if we can make a rematch, let's get a rematch. But Unfortunately for Glover, just like it is, I think, Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor and all that, when there's so many other options, it's hard to, even after a war, to say we're going to run this one back. Yeah. Because now we have it, Jiri is the champion, you have Jan Blahovich, and we already talked about it, this is Samurai versus Witcher, there's just, a, I've been, I've said this on like every appearance, there's just too much viking violence energy oh yeah and yes yeah. Uh, that uh, I, I, <laughs> and could freaking rolling thunder tomahawk upside down kick knockout anthony smith don't care i want to see jan and jiri to be quite honest yeah. with you um look people could get hurt the ankalaev anthony smith winner obviously is in the conversation people are expecting alexander rockage won't be back till next year but then hey what's Jiri's timetable coming off a war like this I don't know but I will say if I had to rank them obviously it's Jan Blahovic then it's Ankalaev Smith winner and then Rockage if anything could happen but Rockage is third on my tier what about you yeah that uh, yeah I'm okay with that yeah that that's the tricky thing about Glover's position Usually you expect when there's a rematch, when there's a fight that's so close and with an exciting, you know, ridiculous, unexpected ending like this one, it's like automatic rematch. But I think because, really, just because of Glover's age, probably the UFC is thinking like, well, we don't want to turn this one around that fast because you got to give him time to rest, Glover, and let's capitalize on Jiri a little more. Let's let him, you know, stretch his legs with, with some of the other opponents. And I mean, it makes perfect sense to, to do yawn. And, uh, you know, the poster can have them with their, uh, Viking helmets on and, you know, mm -hmm. running towards each other and all that good stuff. So, so I like that too. I need that guy on Twitter needing art, you know, he's kind of taken the look, all respect. Boss logic is boss. Logic is mm -hmm. the man. Yeah, he's making that Marvel money. He hasn't been as involved in UFC <laughs> stuff. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't blame him. Have you seen the Doctor Strange stuff? No, brilliant. I have not. It was brilliant. You know. Uh, anyway, but the fact is, you know, I'm gonna 
you know, Boss Logic doesn't need more praise, although he has mine. The needing art guy, I need to see Jan Blahovich as Witcher, and then like some really epic Jiri Prohoshka as a samurai Photoshop, and just give me that poster. I'm ready. <laughs> I think it sells it better than any highlight reel. Yeah. I digress, fun. though. Um, yeah, Glover. Uh, see, the tough thing that I would say about it is that I almost feel like if you're Ankalaev, if you're Anthony Smith, maybe Smith if you want really want to get that one back. But if I'm Ankalaev especially, I don't even take a Glover fight if there's an, a scenario where I have to wait for Jan and Jiri. And yeah. That to me. Sure. So now my point of that, where do you go with Glover? In which case it seems unfair, but it's almost like, OK, you got to give him a, a Jamal Hill Someone like that, someone lower, someone surging, clearly someone who, let's be honest, you kind of have to take, you have to stop their hype train and you got to get paired with somebody who's trying to build themselves off of you and yeah. off of the work you did in this fight. So I think that's the tough thing for Glover. There's options, but I think first we need to actually get a clear picture of the timetable. And to acknowledge it, we may not get it until Ankalive and Smith fight. You know, Dana is most likely going to say, yeah, Jiri's uh, enjoying the fruits of his labor. We're not, you know, <clears throat> we're not rushing to get Jiri back in. We'll wait till the time is right. In yeah. which case, well, dude, where do we go? But that's a story for another day. Um, Valentina Shevchenko, Tyler Santos. You asked 90% of people, it felt like all we were talking about was Juliana Pena after the fact, Amanda Nunes, um, and look, I get it, Tyla was good, but it was not going to be Tyla's time yet. At around somewhere in the third round, everyone suddenly changed their tune, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, quite bluntly, it, I think two things, um, dude, obviously it's another 25 minute, I don't want to go blow by blow, but... Tyla's ability to reverse takedowns because mm -hmm. Valentina would initiate and get in her face and get the body lock. And Tyla, clearly well prepared for this approach, reversing positions, obviously a talented grappler herself, scrambled out of a lot of stuff. There are a couple switches where it felt like, oh, this one, she's just going to get it done. It's just not going to happen, right? And then Tyla just ends up on top where she's taking the back and she's just backpacking Valentina. She's just making her, forcing her to, nothing ever got close, but, you know, make her defend the hands and the rear naked choke for a bunch of time. And uh, look, Valentina, it, we see it, the accidental clash of heads. Um, let's be honest, that reminded me a bit, kind of like Joseph Benavidez Figueredo. You know, yeah. if you remember that one, it, it just... The way they were both moving and the way they were positioned, it really was exactly what it's called. Accidental. She's up close to me. I'm moving and I'm trying to fight my way out of the, this uh, pocket with this bigger athlete. And boom, it happens. Uh, clearly cracks the orbital. Tyler went in for surgery. Everyone's seen this on social media by now. But then the fight has changed. And then round four, uh, Valentina's really lighting her up. Tyler's struggling to get the takedown. Round five, start strong. Tyla gets a takedown. And I'm pretty sure, like yourself, you probably thought that she just got it. This is a wrap. 
-hmm. We could have argued, hey, you know, close rounds, one round Valentina. She only needs three if she keeps going. Valentina escapes. Valentina goes back to work, wins the fifth, and we go to the scorecards. Um, anything? Go ahead. Tell me what you want to about the fight, because obviously the scores are going to be their whole convo. Sure, sure. So my first, my main thought running through this was, you know, Valentina made her cemented her legacy. I mean, regardless of this outcome, her legacy is 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 there intact. She cemented her legacy by displaying the grappling aspect of her of her fight game, right? Because she's this amazing striker. Everybody knows it. But when she started taking down opponents at will, submitting them with an arm bar, with a crucifix two times, like that's when people started being like, oh my God, she's so amazing. She can really do it all. And so I wondered about her in this fight when she kept going back to that tool uh, of, of grappling, of trying to, you know, wrestle her opponent down with the body lock. And, and, you know, I'm thinking, is she like, has she become hardwired to be punch, punch, grab, and, and throw? Or is it like an ego thing where she's continuing to try to prove to the world that she's a complete mixed martial artist and she wants to show them that this person who's, you know, on paper, the better grappler doesn't stand a chance against Valentina Shevchenko because I feel like it ended up being, well, not, not I feel, it was obviously, you know, one of the choices she made that she kept making that was that was an error that she has to go back and and and, you know fix even her coach was telling her stop with the wrestling but she couldn't help it she couldn't help it she kept going back to it and you know ultimately I think in the last round she was able to take her to take down um uh Tyla but that's the thing that made her fight so much more difficult is that she wouldn't separate enough in those in those um encounters and she went looking for it in so many instances so I kept wondering about that and then two you know when she as you said round three and you start worrying you start you're looking at this (laughs) at this scene and thinking oh my goodness this could be an upset you know this could be Peña Nunez and she starts doing the right thing right using her striking keeping her distance but yeah the crack of the orbital she started kicking and punching really hard after that. And, and there was a moment where she, where she um, threw a low blow, but, but she wasn't, I don't know if she wasn't sure or the ref didn't step in in time. And she hit Tyler with a really hard combination. And I thought that was going to be the moment. Like she was going to start going after it with head kicks. I could see in round four, I think it was that the finish was, was in sight, but she never quite took it there. Uh, you find out later she had a foot injury, and I guess that's why she wasn't able to, you know, finish the fight with that opportunity that I thought was presented right there in front of her. Nonetheless, I thought she won the fight, uh, especially the moments early in the fight, in the rounds where she was on her back um, with Tyler on top. She never stopped punching. She was the more ag- aggressive, active fighter in those situations. And so for that reason... When we got to round five, I thought I felt pretty confident that she won the fight. But anyway, I'll toss it back to you for the, uh, the scorecards. Yeah, uh, so I think the biggest thing is how people saw those first few rounds. Four and five went to Valentina. I'm not going to break it down any of yeah. that. <clears throat> but one through three, especially round number two. Mm-hmm. Okay, that one was for sure, um, you know, Tyla. I felt like, okay, she got to the back early. She was making Valentina work. It, look, if you spend more time on the back than not, 
that tends to win the round no matter what else is going on. It's just such a dominant position, right? Mm-hmm. Um, round one, slow start for Valentina, but Tyla eventually gets there. And truth be told, I felt like what Tyla did was more effective toward winning a fight than what we had seen from Valentina leading up to that point. Okay, so that's round one. Round three was critical. Because Tyler did, in I believe the final minute, get the back position again. However, this is after methodical but not dramatic striking from Valentina Uh for about two and a half, close to three minutes. And truth be told, it took Tyler a whole minute to actually complete the takedown, pretty much. Yeah. And then she did, she transitioned to the back. She did what, she clearly had this advantage on the grappling. Let's just say it like it is. Yeah. Um, she gets it there. And to me, that made round three a swing round because she wasn't able to do too much in that final frame of the third. And Valentina had three minutes of work in the bank already. And so I was like, look, she's defending. Tyler didn't really get to go for the submission attempt. Valentina kind of kept fighting, kept throwing punches. And it's like, Ah, that, that, that to me was the swing round, so to speak. More so than round one, which you could make a case, but I still felt that was solidly Tyla. I think most people did. Um, you go to the scorecards, and you have this... Okay, for, um, one judge gave it to Tyla for a lot of the rounds. I think just three to... One through three, four and five, Valentina. Uh, fight goes to Tyla. Okay. Second judge scored the swing round for Valentina. Gives her three, four, five wins it 49 46 this one judge gave rounds one two four and five to valentina the closest round that was controversial gave it to (laughs) tyla yeah and i was like wait what like how do you give round one to valentina but by like the same criteria give it the third round to tyla that 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 one was so shocking to me. Yes, quite bluntly, I thought Tyla had gotten enough. I thought she stole round one. I thought she stole round three. This was uh, and new, plain and simple. Um, and I I was just wow, you know. But forty nine forty six, I was like, okay, this guy just gave four rounds to Tyla. Uh, all right, <clears throat> you know. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Oh, but um. Anyway, you've told me you you had Tyla. I, I just. I don't know. And you know what? Uh, look, it's not Valentina's job to change the judging. She went out there. She did what she had to. I do believe the broken foot, if I'm not mistaken, she said that's why it's been so long since she fought. She also had another injury. I wouldn't be surprised if it's related to it. She just re-aggravated something. And then it's like, look, I can't take a year off. I can't, you know, it's time yeah. to move and all that or whatever, right? Anyway. Now we have an interesting scenario. By most people's accounts, suddenly Misha Tate against Lauren Murphy feels a lot more interesting. Um, obviously, you have Man and Fioro taking on Caitlin Chukagin in September. You have, I believe, next month Alexa Grasso taking on um, God, I'm blanking on it. Uh, da, 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 Viviani Arujo. Uh, all three could easily get title fights, you know. Even if Caitlyn wins, you can make a case for Caitlyn Chikagin getting back in there. Let's be quite honest. Um, <clears throat> the fact is, you have suddenly this interesting scenario at flyweight, and then obviously, let's say it, Tyler Santos getting an immediate rematch. 
that suddenly feels like a bigger fight than it did Friday morning, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have Juliana Pena, Amanda Nunes. And you know, that's what Valentina wants. And now it's on, do they want it? Is that, would they want to add that, have that fight? Particularly Pena. Amanda could kind of get out of it. Because if not them, then it feels like Ketlin Vieira's locked this one in with a win over Holly Holm. So it's like, I'm going to toss it to you. In the end, what do you think we honestly see happen next for Valentina? I think, excuse me, this is going to sound cuckoo, but they put it out there. I think if Misha Tate beats Lauren Murphy, that's what we see next. Because Misha Tate's a big name. And that's just, that's just like MMA math. You know, the second fight in a new weight class, you could say that doesn't make, you know, that's ridiculous, but how many times have we seen this happen? I mean, Jose Aldo, didn't he move down to 135 or to, yeah, to 135 and got a title shot immediately or something or off a loss? I mean, crazier things have happened. Yep. So that's what I think we're going to see. Um, you want to just make a splash with Valentina, Misha Tate, and Misha Tate's not going to turn down a title shot depending on how she feels at 125. Uh, Nunez Pena, you know, let's see how that fight plays out. Because if if there's even any any bit of even playing field in the rematch, if if Juliana Pena can can keep up, can hold her own, <clears throat> assuming that we're going to see the Amanda Nunez of old, <clears throat> I would think they'd probably rather do a rubber match, a third fight, um, unless of course Pena wins again. But I'm I'm. Figuring Nunes will win. So let's say we're one and one. I think you keep them fighting each other at 135 because you need you need more action there. And then at 125, I mean, it's just right there. Valentina's a big name. Misha Tate's a big name. Put them together, you know, call a macaroni. That's it. Yeah, I think particularly if you're Amanda, quite bluntly, you don't need Valentina. No, and I think if it's a return to form for Amanda, that suddenly that idea of Valentina coming up and getting it, it has less heat now, considering how tough it was for Valentina on Saturday. Yep. Now, uh, I mean, I have nothing else to add. I think you got it really right with Misha Tate. I think just that bumps the Alexas, Mannins, Caitlins, Vivianis just out of the picture. Valentina, sorry. Misha is just too big a name. Misha yeah. is the celebrity big brother. Or sorry, celebrity big sister. Let's be correct, right? <laughs> Did she win? Yes. Oh, wonderful. Um, wow. I don't watch that show. I just... I, I, thought, cannot... she, I thought we went over this. Anyway. No, we, we talked about when she was about to start it. And yeah. like I've tried watching like 30 seconds of that show. And I just don't understand why people, people watch it. I watched People the last... are just sitting on a sofa. I watched the talking. last episode. And, it was <laughs> and like... then they play weird games. Okay. Yeah. I watched well, the last episode and it was I'm not gonna lie, it was very anticlimactic. It's weird, bro. And does she make does she get money? Like do you get a prize? Yeah, like quarter of a million. What? Which is probably like the same probably a little less than what she got to be the brand ambassador at one championship, but <laughs> dude, or like think about her fighting career. Like she didn't have to get punched in the face or anything. I know, right? It's <laughs> like, dude, this is like dude, weird. Put me on big brother, uh put me on big brother um couch potato. I'll yeah, be great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those shows are only fun when you have drama. Someone's married and they start flirting with another cast member. It's like, (gasps) 
how did she create drama then? Because she, she didn't did it. Type. Yeah, she didn't. She just won being her usual self. Good for her. But those shows that what I'm saying is like, oh, I'm going to live in a house. And it's like, yeah. bro, that's just like getting free rent for six weeks. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, and, I, and someone else going to watch my kids. Oh, great. I would just lease my place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that. Okay. back to Valentina. <laughs> but anyway, um, look, it's just we, we know how this works. That makes too much sense. Yeah, of course. And then look, if Juliana Pena beats Amanda, Valentina going to just, uh, you know, she's not going to. Take the little pistol like she's got tattooed on her torso. She's uh-huh. gonna, she's gonna turn the big guns on Juliana, plain yeah. and simple. You she know. Is, but here's my concern, if I may, because of the size difference we saw, size and power difference we saw with Tyla and Shevchenko, and Shevchenko, you know, addressed it in her interview with Megan O'Leary, probably in the post fight, but I didn't see that. She came in at 1:32 with clothes on in the morning of the fight. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Tyla Santos weighed in at, but clearly she was the bigger, stronger fighter. Um, you know, what would Shevchenko's plan be for moving up to 135? Like, she's really chill about these things. Like, she's not going to be someone, like, who's going to go out of their way to build a bunch of mass to be able to get in there at 135. She didn't do it before. I don't think she's going to do it now. And so my point is that, like, we've already seen her struggle with someone who's bigger in her own weight class. Moving up at this point, um, even though I want to see it, like, I would hope that her and her team would take a measured approach to arriving at 135 in the most um, to be at the, and to be the most effective fighter. So, so we'll see. But, but that's something that kind of concerns me a little bit. I mean, she's never been a big <laughs> flyweight. No. But one thing I would say is that goes back to the foot injury. Mm-hmm. I feel like that. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. So when you talk when you talk about talking weight and uh, like carrying weight and all that, I. It, being able to have your full body, like, you know, with your training, I think is a big deal. Yes, Valentina, look, I, yes, it gives you great muscles when you flex, but I don't think it's a very efficient way. It doesn't make you more efficient as a fighter to be doing bicep curls and the like if you have a broken ankle or something of the sort, right? Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, for MMA in particular, so do I think that maybe led to a little less muscle mass? Mm. A little bit. Uh, I mean, I also, let's be honest. we got to wait to see how good Juliana looks against Amanda, win or lose. You know, she wins, but it's a, it's a rough one. And maybe we start thinking Amanda is not the Amanda who was on a roll. Then maybe it feels like Valentina, healthy, she's still mm-hmm. got the skill advantage over Pena. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Pe- Pena looks different. We have a different conversation, but... We're going to wait and see. We get the answer in about a month and a half. Um, plenty of time for Valentina to start healing up and do what she needs to. See if we could get this going late this year, early next year. I think that's right. pretty fair. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. Zhang Wei Li. It was such a good performance, but then it almost made you a little sad the way it turned out, right? It kind of felt like, oh, like I walked into a funeral of someone I knew unexpectedly. <laughs> Um, wow. Yeah, that's a really, uh, really great way to put <laughs> uh, Look, uh, fa- look fantastic. Just looked strong, looked fast. And not just objectively, but faster than Joanna. And just yeah. obviously we know how good, we know what Joanna's ceiling is, right? We know what Joanna looks like when she's on a roll. And Jung Lee with the grappling, with the striking, it just seemed like 
Joanna was trying to do things that she couldn't accomplish anymore. And I think that was a big thing. I think that was just, I think Joanna felt like, look, you know, like, to be, you know, Joanna champion, I have to be at this level. And after so much time, et cetera, et cetera, you know, the guys and girls talk about it at when it comes to that level, that little bit of speed and that little bit of accuracy, that little bit of movement, that is the difference between winning and losing when you're up against these younger, stronger, just hungry killers, right? And yep. look, Joanna came to fight. I don't doubt that. But then for Jung Wei Lee to take her out, and even Joanna said, it's like, what do you remember? She said, I remember seeing the canvas coming up towards me and I couldn't do anything about it. Oh, yes. Like, yeah, that's a pretty fair way to say it. Um, it wasn't Dominic Reyes' Jiri Prohashka, but it was pretty rough. <laughs> oh, ouch. Um, we'll talk about Joanna in a second because obviously <laughs> she deserves it. But um, Jungwe Lee, she wants Carla Sparza. <laughs> I like that fight. And I think... I think it's very clear from everything, every clue we've been given. Dana White isn't exactly clamoring to make R- Rose Carla three. Of course not. So, and it feels like Marina Rodriguez. Marina's done everything right. Marina has chosen to stay active, and yet here we are again. And somehow she got the short end of the stick. Uh, look, let's be honest. Too Carla, bad, man. Just it is what it is. Carla was always the one ahead of Marina. Mm-hmm. But now it kind of felt like, okay, that's fine. I get it. But now I did the work. I, I should be next for Carla. <sighs> okay. I certainly get your frustration. However, the change, the, the change to the status quo did not go in her favor, unfortunately. Um, I like, Look, all this to say, Jungwe Lee, Carla, I think that on the name value alone, sells it better. I think... Just like we talked about Misha Tate, that's kind of everything you really need. Coming off a big win, looked good, different style matchup. Um, all the star power Jung Lee carries from China. But the one thing I will say is that Rose Namajunas is still expected to be a factor. In which case, let's say hypothetically, let's count the eggs before they hatch. Jung, uh, you know, Wei Li beats Carla. And Rose beats a Marina, hypothetically. Are we really about to run this again? It's like, yeah. I, I, I just, I, it, okay. Now look, m- mind you, Marina Rodriguez, I think she's going to fight Rose. I hope that's the one they make. I hope they go Madison Square Garden with it. And let's just uh, call it macaroni. And you know what? I think Marina, you have a shot at taking out. Who most people would say is still the best fly, sorry straw weight in the world, and then Zhang Wei Li, do your thing against Carla, and let's just call it macaroni. We're just gonna round robin this thing, and you know if it's Rose against Wei Li in a year's time, if it's Rose against Carla, if it's Marina against Carla, if it's Marina against Wei Li, yes, there's a scenario where we're gonna see some rematches. Maybe we're not clamoring for. But that's just what we have. We've got, it's kind of like that trifecta with Jones and Gustafsson and DC. Mm-hmm. It's just, here we go again. And what else is there? Yeah, what? it's, um. go ahead. It's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's that happens in divisions sometimes when 
you're a little bit top heavy and the next in line is, you know, in all, in all aspects, talented and totally, you know, technically ready to challenge the champion. But, you know, you still got to think about other factors. It's not just who's the best, it's who's the best fighter and who's the best name. And so that's why sometimes you get these, yeah, round robin things. So I'm okay with it. It is what it is. You're, even though Rose and Carla was a dud, um, dud of duds, to quote Joe Rogan, it's, um, you know, it, separately, they still put on really good shows. Like, I mean, just even Carla Sparza about, with uh, Jan Shonan, right? She crucifixed her and elbowed her to into submission or, you know, ref, ref steps in. So we still have a really top-heavy group of exciting fighters. I'm not worried about, you know, it getting boring, um, but it is going to be frustrating for the people that are just below sort of looking at that glass ceiling, not being able to fully break through. Yeah, I think it's just we have everything. We've, we, we've seen everything, just plain and simple. We've seen oh. everything. You know, we've seen a lot of them. Like I said, I think it's it sucks if you're Marina, but that's just how the way the cards have been dealt. Um, just get back out there and get after it. Obviously, it's on Rose to perform. If she's going to be, you know, thug Rose and get that belt back, that's another one. And then, look, for Jungwei Lee and Carla, go, go out there and do what you do. If it's Carla, proven that you got more to show against a new opponent in Wei Lee, perfect. Wei Lee, if it's about getting it back with a great opportunity, perfect. Let's do it. So, But, yeah, I w I'm not going to lie. It does feel like it creates a bit of a, you know... Uh, like you're just treading water. We're kind of just, okay. you know, we've seen this show before. And, uh, you know, that's completely fair. Yeah. Uh, Joanna. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, if you <clears throat> ask me, uh, okay, like, um, respectfully, Natalie, mm -hmm. uh, I, I talk to a lot of fighters, probably a couple more than you do. Yeah. Um, you get to know a lot of people in this business, so when people ask, oh, well, who's your favorite? It's like, bro, I mean, it's like, I enjoy watching this fighter on TV. I think she kicks butt, but then it's like, um, I text and talk to some of these people when we, they don't have fights, when we're not, mm -hmm. when I'm not, quote, doing an interview, we're just kind of yeah. like, hey, how are you, and what's up? I saw you did this. It was cool. You got a new dog. Oh, that's nice. What kind? Oh, you know. It's hard for me to it's like, oh, well, who's your favorite fighter to watch? Oh, it's hard for me to not. It right, feels like sacrilege. Right, right. You can't. Yeah. Come on. How can I? Oh, if I said someone else, it's like, I, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah, you know? yeah. Of course they it, are. Put it in your diary. Truth be told, of course, I, I love watching all of you guys. Let's be clear. You asked me before I interviewed a lot of people, and no question, my favorite fighter to watch is, is female fighter is Joanna. Mm -hmm. I just uh, I loved everything. I I love that she. I, I'm really into shoes and kicks. She's yeah, really yeah. into shoes and kicks, and she was just so freaking good. She's so precise. She gets in and out, and she just gets going like a car. Like just the second it breaks the sound barrier, it just is all you know NASCAR. All systems go, two hundred miles per hour. She's just so good at running away with it. And then she would participate in the gamesmanship, like talking oh, yeah. a little bit of trash and 
we saw it with Rose, we saw it with Wei Li and all this, and um, yeah, you know, it just made for such a fun show, I just felt like, you know, I don't know what it is, it, maybe she just did not have that, whatever you want to call it, it, that Aranda and Misha had, whatever you want to say it is, she was so entertaining, so cool, I'm honestly, uh, I could say on a personal level, watching her on TV for years, to have had that moment where I got to interview Joanna before a fight and I got to make that jump from just being a fan to now being a contributor to the story that was told ahead of this fight. Honestly, to me, it's the reason I do this. It's because I love it so much. And, you know, no, uh, I got to say... I don't have the nostalgia to talk with everybody like the people I did when I was just a fan of this. Yeah. So to have that with Joanna, I can easily say, look, it's it lived up to what I would hope interviewing Joanna would have been back when I was just a fan and I was watching the Karen Bryants and everyone interview Joanna. Yeah. Um, one of the best ever. Five title defenses. Always brought it supremely talented not just in she's well-rounded she's this she just literally when you saw her skills on display she was head and shoulders above everybody else for a time and it just made for kind of like when we talk about when valentina just seeing her on a roll you're seeing just a display of what is the highest level of mixed martial arts and i'm gonna miss that because she really just did her own thing and she turned it into a whole business and little mini media conglomerate and good for her i can't wait to see what's next but you know jj thank you go ahead yeah it was yeah she she played the role so perfectly because she you know i i really it cemented for me read watching her interviews leading up to this not of course not anticipating the outcome nor the the news at the end but how smart she is how sharp she is the way she speaks to the camera during the embeddeds like you know is it a little bit cheesy you know you know let's go baby let's go a little bit but she knows what she's doing she's she really is a fighter and an entertainer all in the same in the same breath, not everyone can do it. You know, think about people who try to do it and just don't have the mic skills. You're talking about someone doing it in English when it's not their first language. Like she just, apart from the amazing skill set she had in the octagon, she just also nailed it outside. She knew how to dress. She knew how to, you know, uh, sell herself in an interview, promote herself. And when, you know, cutting to the end, when she's giving her, what I say, one of the greatest interviews or speeches in, in the octagon that I've ever seen. After that walloping she got, getting, you know, floored the way she did. Now, no one really talked about it at, at the moment, but the fist of Li Zhang hit her the back of her head. I mean, that was a, it wasn't an illegal blow because it wasn't intentional, but that's where she got really hurt was the back of the head. Okay. So that's happened. The bells are ringing in her ears. And to still have the composure to get on the mic and say everything that you wanted to say that anyone would want to say in a moment like that when they're about to retire with the career they've had. I mean, she expressed herself perfectly about, you know, her, her, what was going on in her mind, the career she's had. 
She thanked everybody. She thanked the UFC staff, which nobody ever does. And she did it like completely wholeheartedly from deep within her soul. Like I was so blown away with that speech, that, that post-fight interview. And even the one she gave to, to Megan O'Levy and she's crying and she was just so humble, so honest. It was really wonderful to see when she, when she mentions that, you know, she wants to be a mom. That's when it all clicked for me, all came together. I said, okay, this makes sense. Double G, you may not understand this, but when as a woman you decide that you want to have a kid, you're going to turn your body into a vessel for, a, for another life, like you cannot, it completely changes how you look at your body, how you think of your body. And I, I, I just imagined her in the cage, getting kicked in the stomach really hard, getting walloped in the head, knocked to the canvas. Like when you get up from that, you're thinking, nah, man, like I can't, I can't keep doing this. I've already done enough. I have to progress to the next portion of my life, the next chapter of my life. So I totally understand from that perspective uh, what she's thinking. And uh, ultimately, I think, like, you know, of course you want to end on a win. Does she count, you know, her chickens before they were hatched a little bit when she was eyeing Carla Esparza for that title shot? Maybe, you know. But I think she really thought she was going to beat Wei Lee. No one expected Wei Lee to come out with that crazy strong and fast grappling that she did. Uh, it was a big surprise. And and she just she just out out muscled her and that was it. And so Joanna Jacek did a really brave and courageous thing to call it a day right then and there. But I think she was right to do it. And now she can move on peacefully to the next chapter of her life. I think a big part of it is that um uh, I mean, look at what we just talked about. You got Rose, Whaley, uh, Marina Rodriguez. And then that's not to start mentioning the Mackenzie Derns of the mm -hmm. world, you know, John Shannon. Um, you talk about Joanna now, it's not a fast track. You now got to talk about beating two to three of these women. And yeah. things got to align for you to get it. It, it suddenly the game becomes different and you know I asked her about it she said uh, yeah if I'm you know not to toot my own horn I am probably more famous now than I was uh when I was champion uh I, I love photography I have my business I'm gonna start racing cars and it's like you know you there's no unfinished business yeah Right, you exactly. you won the belt. You defended it five times. You had you put on classics. You proved just how good you could really be. Now look, had she you know not taken that time off after the Whaley fight, could it be a little different? Maybe, but would she be where she is at now in business if she didn't capitalize on it? Maybe not. And what do I always say? Secure the bag. I don't yeah. care what fight is out there. You just secure the bag and then target the fight she did that she secured the bag she had a title eliminator it is what it is you know she has nothing to feel you know to apologize for she gave it everything she proved she was the best for a time and there we are and you know what i hope we still talk about her because i'm sure she's gonna go on to live a very interesting life i hope she give, keeps us a part of it yeah, definitely. And and may I ask you, because I, I'm not sure, I wasn't sure about the car racing, so that is legit. She's going to go be a, try to be a car racer? 
I don't know if it's kind of like celebrity guest, like I mean, that's on a hard. small track. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, yeah, I think she's like, why not? You know? Yeah, why not? I'm and, here. And then what are her? What's her business? I, she mentioned a charity, but what's the other business that she's? Do you know? You know, I didn't go in depth. She has. Uh, she kind of like has a lot of uh, pans in the fire. Okay. You know, like I know she um she's been a big television personality and and stuff oh, in Poland and I think she's awesome. parlayed that into like, you know, little stuff like I think maybe Gwyneth Paltrow launching products. She launched oh, the um okay, okay. Uh, she launched like a supplement company. Gotcha. You know, so a lot of different stuff, so. And like I said, good for her. It is Yeah, it is. man. Good for yeah. her, dude. So yeah, JJ we love you. We'll miss you. Mm-hmm. Um, to talk about it now, we do have a bit of MMA news. Dominic Cruz, Chito Vera, August. I believe that's August 13th, right? Two months from now, San Diego. Yeah, yeah that's what the date I have. Obviously, Chito's on a roll. Obviously, Cruz has actually looked pretty good despite the layoff since he's come back from action. Henry Cejudo notwithstanding. So... I really like this fight. I think that it's come together very organically. Uh, I'll say it. I, I really wanted Cruz and Jose Aldo. I don't know where Jose Aldo is at, but his absence is now concerning. Hmm. But the fact is, um, Cruz and Chito, winner of this one, you think now heavily now is heavy into the conversation of what's next for Aljamain after TJ Dillashaw, most likely. And you know what? Having them at home, Cruz lives in San Diego. Chito trains and I believe lives when he's in the United States at an OC. Let's get it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, man, exactly. Like, this is a beautiful matchup. Dominic, Cruz looked great against someone who should have been, you know, who was a big challenge in Pedro Munoz. Chito Vera is just badass and he's, you know, cool, cool MFR, you know? And so he's just this got that is- swag. This is going to be a great fight. I, I don't have much more to add except like great matchmaking, and I love that it's going to be in uh, in San Diego. I mean, I just love that I'll be able to get home after the fights. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm I not going to lie. It's, I'm uh, hey, if it's an early paper, if it's an early fight night, I'm I'm coming home. If yeah, they do that whole the, thing, the beach, man. Go take a look at the ocean. <laughs> I could do that after weigh-ins. That's true. That's true. Get out of here. Do you know how much it costs to stay in San Diego? I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Southern California problems, guys. What can I say? Yep. Yep. Anyway, um, the next one, uh, uh it, this, oh, yo, yo, like I, you, you get so ready to do the show, and then by the time you get to him, you forget. August twentieth, uh, Michael Van and Page go into bare knuckle fighting championship one night only. I'm sure they're going to try to bring him back, but he's taking on Mr. Platinum Mike Perry, August 20th in London. Obviously, MVP is coming off the loss to Logan Storley in London last month. Mike Perry, he is taking lemons and making lemonade. (laughs) He's fought for both BKFC and in Triller with Triad Combat. By the way, now owned by the same company, so I feel like that's a little lost, but and he's won both of those fights. They're going to be at the OVO Wembley Arena, the same one that MVP just fought in with Storley. And, you know, um, Natalie, I think this is a... 
I don't know who I feel like I need to compliment more, Mike Perry or Scott Coker. And yes, a little bit Michael Venn and Page, because clearly this is just, you want MVP? Send us a bag. They probably sent a bag, and suddenly <laughs> MVP, you go ahead. You want it? Let's get it. He was probably like, well, how much money am I getting? Heck yeah, bro, you know? Yeah. And he, and Mike Perry, dude, just keep collecting checks. I feel like I get it. I know I know Mike has been and done through, through some stuff. But he wins another one of these. You almost feel like Habib and Eagle FC is going to call him next. You know what I mean? He's just doing a good job floating around. Um, tough fight for him. But I think the big story is that Bellator and just Scott Coker is once again another home run, creating some interesting things outside of the UFC brand by working with others. And it's making for some very interesting fights. Yeah, man, Scott Coker is, is like the greatest boss ever, right? Just uh, lets, listens to his fighters, lets them, you know, look elsewhere so long as they promise to come back. And I, I bet MVP was chomping at the bit to just, like, be able to be in a proper scrap. And I don't know who reached out to who first. You know, if MVP told Scott Coker he wanted to do a boxing thing or BKFC reached out. I don't know. Whatever it is, it worked out beautifully. When I saw this article, I texted you, uh, obviously, because I remembered you, you know, giving kudos to Mike Perry last time when he fought at Triller for just making the most of his post-UFC fight career and, like, there he goes again. Like he's probably just sitting at home watching TV, and and Dave Feldman calls him. And is like, hey, you want to fight MVP? Okay, sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he had to fight, you know, beg anyone to get to get this big high profile fight. When I think about the actual fight night, though, I'm a little worried for MVP because bare knuckle is so different than MMA, than boxing, and I'm. Very curious to see how his style matches up with someone like Mike Perry, who can clearly handle the uh, the bare knuckle style. And you know, is MVP going to try to do something different, or is he going to just be MVP and you know do that side stance, that in and out thing? It's going to be a, a good fight, I think. And and kudos to everybody for just being creative, taking risks, and having fun. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think that, um, I mean, man, MVP is just so good when he could light you up, though. Yeah. But it's Mike Perry. But it's MVP in London. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's talk about UFC Austin this Saturday. Because <laughs> essentially, that's exactly how I feel about MVP in London is against Mike Perry. It's like, ooh, ah, <laughs> ooh, ah. Okay. Um, Josh Emmett, Calvin Cater, um, not for nothing, this has high stakes written on it. I, I think that when you look at that featherweight division, obviously it feels like Volkanovski is just going to target Max, and then if he wins, it's like, let's see what we could do at lightweight. But in terms of 45, and you talk about kind of like we did with Jiri, that breath of fresh air coming up, uh, the winner of this one has to be in that uh, in the mix, particularly for Josh. And I know that he's been through a lot, but now he's back and winning. Uh, Calvin, 
As long as you're not fighting Max Holloway, I think the performance over Giga Chikatsi should be enough to say that you should be respected. You put these guys together, heavy hitting, gonna slug it out. You got the New England cartel against another solid team in Alpha Male and Josh. Uh, everything just says you should get a good night of action. On top of, you know, we're not going to talk about it, but you got Kevin Holland on the card. Uh, the Cowboys last ride, taking yeah. on Joe Lozon. Guys like Gregory Rodriguez. It's a pretty decent card, you know. So to have them cap it off, I think it's going to be a good one. What about you? Yeah, this is a fun one. This is one of those, you know, non-pay-per-view events that you look at and you're like, hey, heck yeah, this is going to be pretty good. Um, yeah, walking Buckley to means fighting Kevin Holland. And of course, Cerrone Lozon. That's going to be good, period. So even if you're looking at this thinking, well, you know, the co-main, you know, is going to be the main then you look at who actually is the main, Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to have two back-to-back scraps. Um, and, and it's going to be a heck of a night. I'm also glad they're not at the Apex. They're in Austin, it looks like, right? Yep. So that's awesome. And, um, I mean, that's pretty much all there is to say. I feel like we've talked so much about the fights from last week that I'm, I'm blanking on, you know, deep and meaningful thoughts about the upcoming fight but 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 for to say it's going to be a barn burner you know calvin cater is a really slick boxer josh emmett has those bombs and like which which style will prevail i don't know yet i think it's when uh, you gotta factor in josh's grappling too not that calvin doesn't have it but you know i kind of feel like calvin has his grappling when he's not able to do what he wants striking Josh is more willing to just through by his own decision making go to the bag as opposed to maybe he reacts with it if he's not doing what he wants on the feet. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um they're both obviously well-rounded. I know they both drill in and work hard. Um I think the wrestling though makes me favor Josh. That being said, it you gotta call this a competitive fight because you see the way Calvin took apart a, such a slick guy like Giga. You gotta think that Josh is gonna have to execute a good game plan, otherwise you start maybe falling into the same trap. You, I, I don't think Josh is as fast as Giga. He's not as slick, so you gotta talk about maybe a little more work to catch up to a guy it, like Calvin if Calvin is firing on all cylinders like it did several months ago. So, all that to say, we got another good one. I'm going to lean Josh Emmett just because I think that the wrestling creates... It, wrestling makes strikers act a lot. Uh, it, it just makes strikers act very different than usual. And I think that that's what's going to help Josh. I think he's well prepared to use the weapons against Calvin. Uh, Calvin on the feet. I know he's got that slickness and that movement, but, you know, once again, it's about using the full arsenal when you're at this top level, and I think Josh is just a little more comfortable doing that, and I think that'll win the day. What about you? I mean, I can't argue with you, Double G. That's, that's, that's a, a really nice uh, prediction there, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just straight-up copy you. I'm going to go with Josh Hammett, too. There we go. I'm going to say, <laughs> yeah, let, you know what? They're, they're going to give him five rounds in Austin. Why yeah, not? I think so too. I think they're going to the judges. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, and you know, and the train keeps rolling. <laughs> Obviously, next week we'll be talking about Matus Gamrot and Armin Sarukian back at the apex. 
And then um, obviously that show will already be, you know, on the cusp of International Fight Week. So there'll be plenty to talk about there. So guys, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you. Like, comment, subscribe. And we'll be back next week. Take care.